0: Hello, and welcome to Adventurous Investor in Conversation. Um, I'm delighted to have with me uh, Ed Buttery from TMI, Taylor Maritime Investments. Uh, we have interviewed Ed back earlier in the year, back a uh, while ago now, uh, but I thought I'd get Ed on just to talk a bit more about broad shipping trends and what's happening in the shipping industry. Welcome, Ed. Hi, David.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Um, now, I- I've been quietly championing TMI as an investment. Um, But I I do get a bit of pushback every because people say, well, the shipping industry, I mean, if I look at the Baltic Dry Index, which is a classic measure of kind of rates in the shipping industry, um, they've come off their recent highs. There's all this talk about, you know, uh, sort of freight rates coming down, about a lot of the kind of uh, logistics issues beginning to unwind. What what do you think from your vantage point? You're quite bulk bulk freight, bulk yeah. freighter orientated, I realise, yeah. uh, but from your vantage point, what's happening out there in the shipping? I think
1: market? the first thing to um, to take note of is that the BDI encapsulates all segments within um, yeah. within shipping or dry bulk, and that and 50 of the BDI is weighted on capes, which are the coal and iron ore carriers, and those yeah. cape sizes are. Um, are significantly larger and the largest of the dry bulk ships. They only carry two commodities. They're massively volatile relative to our small ships that carry necessity goods and food and, and yep. the demand for which is quite consistent, relatively speaking. Um, and a lot of people sort of talk about Capes and Panamax's being the lead in where dry bulk's going. But what's actually happening at the moment and has been happening for a few years, there's a shortage of handy-sized ships, um, it's more significant or prevalent than the larger ships, and handy sizes have actually been outperforming the larger sizes consistently for the last year or so. And at the moment, a cape size might be making six or seven thousand dollars a day, and the average earnings of Taylor Maritime is currently around twenty thousand dollars a day. Um, mm-hmm. So you want to, if you're looking for yield, handy size is where it's at right now, and TMI can provide that. What's happening in terms of co- the causes? Uh, that are creating a fall in the BDI are relate to uh, several things. Um, first of all, um, uh, uh, decongestion, which was a major problem yep. last year in China. Um, they've managed to largely sort out their congestion issues. And that is reflected in, in, in a softening in rates normally as the excess tonnage takes time to be soaked up by, by demand. Yeah. Um, on top of that, that congestion really started to to get better during the summer holidays, a time during which most traders are on holiday and don't really want to look at their computers quite as much. And a lot of the fixing for the summer will have been done in the run up to the end of the summer term, or the um, so so it's usual for there to be a seasonal softening uh, that was coupled with um, the decongestion, um, and it was also coupled with some of the worst. Uh, grain seasons we've had all over the world in a very long time. Yeah, the, 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 the upside to this happening is that excess tonnage coming out of congestion will be soaked up eventually. Uh, poor harvests mean that uh, next year governments will be encouraged to expand the size of their plantings, which will lead to subsequently larger harvests in the, uh, in the forthcoming months and years. Um, and with things like the Russian-Ukraine war happening... Food security is an increasingly important item on government agendas. And that's why they can't afford to have poor plantings and poor seasons again, because they need food security when the world has been so reliant on places like Russia and Ukraine for grains. And what we're seeing as evidence of governments uh, preparing for better um, food security is an increase in the volumes of fertiliser that's being traded on handy-sized ships. Uh, and that's obviously just a sign that they they want to have better harvests going forward. So uh, that, those are the sort of the, the micro-economics of where we are right now. You've got the Russian war, congestion getting better. You've got summer holidays. But you've also got the longer-term macro driver for our segment in handies, which is you had a balanced supply-demand this year. Demand suffered slightly because of the war. Demand suffered slightly because... People may or may not believe the growth figures that China's been promising, that 5.5% that they promised they haven't achieved, but they've now released a $1 trillion stimulus promise. That's promising. Maybe the US dips into recession, but it's probably not going to be a deep recession, in my opinion. Um, And maybe it doesn't at all. And so next year, on the supply-demand, on top of that, you've got a significant shortage of ships next year in the handy-sized fleet coupled with what we expect to be a much better grain season because of food security promises and a trillion dollar stimulus package from China. So next year, I'm pretty
0: optimistic. Let's just talk about recession for a minute. Um, I- I'm inclined to agree with you. I think that if the US does have a recession, it won't, it won't be a terrible recession. It will be more of a kind of bad slowdown if you can have such a thing. But other, but other economies, particularly Europe, might have a hard harder time. Um, UK particularly could be quite vulnerable um recession is probably bad news for shipping though isn't it
1: depends what segment you're in uh there are plenty of uh examples historically where the handy size market has been strong or healthy even in times of recession now a deep and long recession eventually hits everybody and no one's really recession proof um that being said if we have a recession in the u.s short-lived i agree with you But I do worry about the longer-term effects of a recession on places like Greece and Italy, and potentially the UK. They could have a seriously tough time. Greece and Italy and Spain. But again, like I've said, people have to eat. We carry food, and there's a really significant shortage of ships next year. What happens after that, when you have a deep recession, is potentially a gradual decline in demand. But as long as the fleet supply is outstripped by growth in demand, so that's to say, in a recession, you can still have growth in demand, but that the number shrinks each year in terms of how much it grows by you're still in a position where demand is outstripping supply and in a recession shipping may suffer in the short run i don't think handies will so much especially with tmi given we've bought cheap ships historically speaking um and i know we're coming on to grinrod later and uh we think we've got done a uh, have the opportunity to 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 buy a defensive company but um But the point is, in the longer run, and TMI is really in this to create long term yields, the opportunity of a recession for a company as well structured and uh, with as little debt as we've got, is that nobody's going to be ordering new ships because banks won't be lending. Um, And on top of that, I've said it before, I'll say it again, shipyards that build handies are filled with tankers and container ships.
0: Yeah, year. I was going to ask you about. I was going to, I was going to ask you about shipbuilding. So, is, is there a, is we keep hearing for the last couple of years about the kind of queue in virtually everything, <laughs> a queue to buy, yeah. you know, new cars, queue to buy old used cars, queue to buy everything. Is that true? in Shipbuilding yards Absolutely. as well. Is there basically a queue to get in?
1: Absolutely, there is. Um, we uh, we're pretty close to many of many of the major yards uh, that build our ships, specifically in Japan, where we have some very long-standing and important relationships. Um, And only a month or so ago, I was talking to uh, the president and owner of uh, of a significant building uh, shipyard um, in Japan. And he offered the next commercially available slot for a handy size in any of his several very large shipyards is uh, the second half of 2025 for a handy size. 25. And he also quoted me 30. Well, I probably shouldn't say but over $35 million, um, which in today's market, look, it's not outrageous. And that number has been 55, 60 million historically. So we're not even close to the 2000 tops. But you're talking about a significant delay, a big down payment, and a price that seems to be getting stronger each month because they just don't have the space. There's still commodity inflation going on. uh, And margins for handy size ships are not particularly good. So they're, they're not... Hugely in favor of building those ships when they can build these monster container ships and tankers that are currently taking up all the space
0: at the yards. Uh, just actually, uh, as a service to general listeners, we should actually just itemize what the different classes are. Actually, we've talked about them. So, and if, if you could just go through it, it, what the, the, the key, what the, ship, they, what the right. definitional standards are.
1: Yeah. So, you, within dry bulk, you've got the big guys, which are capes, then you've got the Panamaxes yep. that carry predominantly grains. Uh, And then you've got what we've got, which is Ultramaxes down to handy sizes. Those are the workhorses of the sea. That's the sort of – and they carry food predominantly and farm-related products um, and basic infrastructure materials. That's the dry bulk segment. Then imagine the second sort of silo is container ships, and you've got the massive ones that go China to America. uh, And you've got feeder containers that service Southeast Asia and things like that. So that's the container market. And then you've got the tanker market, which you can segregate into – Clean, dirty, and gas. So you've got LNG, LPG, which goes into yep. further segments, which get more and more complicated, and then you've got clean, which is your um, aviation gas, diesel, petrol, things like that, yep. and then you've got dirties, which is crude.
0: Uh, I imagine that uh, ships carrying gas are probably much in demand at the moment, but that's another subject. Okay, uh, <laughs> uh, okay so um, so we got shipbuilding. Now that that brings us on to the next inevitable question, which is um, the kind of greening of ships. Yes. Um, now, that's that's a tricky subject because, it, 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 you know, we're, we're unlikely to be ever running ships on sails for the time being. So huh. so you are going to have to use some form of propulsive power. Um, now, that – and there's also the – I don't know if they've already happened. Is it the sulfur dioxide uh, re- regulations in terms of the, the sulfur? Are they coming or coming in? I, I don't remember. Um, and then you've got the European Union have got their own emission scheme coming in for European Union shipping. Uh, and So what I'm trying to get at here is, is that, you know, the, the, the ship ship owners, all of you collectively, are facing more regulatory pressures to improve your environmental impact. What is that likely to have on what impact is that likely have on the bottom line for for ship owners?
1: It's um it's onerous for especially for those ship owners who don't have uh, huge amounts of cash flow or have overstretched themselves from a borrowing point of view. When I say overstretched, you know anything over fifty percent, uh, people could find themselves in, in tricky situations with less of a, a sort of cash buffer. Um, in the last decade, uh, the global fleet's carbon intensity has reduced by over 20%. Um, we do think at TMI that a more urgent change is required to respond to the climate crisis. Um, we've joined, uh, we're one of the 150 other members of the getting to zero coalition. Uh, we've signed a call to action for shipping decarbonisation. So I've got to give you my sales pitch just quickly. <laughs> uh, um, but it is important for us. So, you know, but we do have an ambitious long term target of achieving zero carbon emissions by 2050. Uh, and we certainly aim to operate a zero carbon fleet by 2050. Um, and we are achieving this, hopefully, by adopting alternative fuels as they become technically viable and safe and available. And that's more of an issue in the handy size segment because the handy size ships are smaller, they call a wider variety of ports. And so it'll take time for these carbon-friendly um, uh, fuels or uh, um, propulsion systems to, to filter down to the smaller, less expensive ships because, as you know, new technology yeah. always starts as the most expensive. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We collaborate with some of our biggest customers on things like um, uh, biofuel tests. We are going through those now. Um, they would rather I didn't mention exactly who they were. Um, yeah. We collaborate with industry bodies about think tanks and how to get to zero
0: and how to improve things. Um, but I suppose the, the, the question, Ed, is, two, two questions come to mind is, are you, at some point, are a lot of ship owners going to have to junk their fleet because they just can't retrofit them anymore? And I suppose the other question is, how, what is the propul- What is the propulsion technology of the future? I, I'm just curious. I don't, I mean, are you going to have to replace it with synthetic fuels? I mean, what, what's, the, what's the hot money on? None of us know. It's crystal ball. I think like, it's, it's potentially going to be
1: uh, horses for courses. So you're going to have, you know they've already got the liner trade using LNG uh, and being mm-hmm. um, um, ready for um, uh, ammonia. Um, right. So the sort of low, we call it low wake, low well to wake e biofuels. So um, not the things that are planted and take up um, have yeah. diesel tractors and take up a lot of carbon intensive uh, farming. Yeah. Um, for handys, I would expect in the medium term it's going to be. Um, carbon neutral alternative fuels um, right, okay. we well, are no. looking at you said sales are a while away, but every little helps i think the the issue with some of the uh, targets that are, are are set is that a lot of governments or government bodies sort of half expect the shipping industry to to get to zero very very quickly, yeah but the reality is you can you can halve the emissions of the global fleet simply by slowing down the ship on the same old fuels. Yeah, and absolutely, yeah. Everybody knows that when you set um, ambitious targets for yourself, not just in shipping, the way to achieve it is by taking small steps, not by ex- waking yeah. up tomorrow and expecting it to be done. Um, and at TMI, we are making small steps. We're putting energy-efficient monitoring systems on. We're putting these special BOS fin caps onto the propellers that make a more efficient vortex and reduce drag, more advanced hull coatings. We've gotten rid completely of uh, plastic water bottles on our ships. Just by getting right. rid of plastic water bottles on our ships, we save 200,000 plastic water bottles a year. Right. All we, and I, didn't, yeah. I, hadn't even, I hadn't even considered that. 200,000? Yeah, wow. until my daughter said, Daddy, why have you got plastic on board your ships? I, it's just something you don't think about because it's out of sight, out of mind. And I asked hmm. someone in, in ops to calculate how many bottles of water we get through a year, and he came back with about two hundred thousand. Wow, um, and amazing. that is that's um, that's just one company. So, and it's and it, there's a payback on that because you put a water filter in, you don't have to buy water anymore. And we issued everyone with yeah. recycled um, recycled um, uh, cups. Um, and uh, there's another big, very high quality Greek shipping family who are heavily involved in recycled plastics at the moment. And my intention is to ask them if we can buy lots of those recycled rice husk cups for, for the ships. Um, what else? LED lighting, such an easy, low-hanging fruit, um, and engine power limiters. And that's all going to come in in 2023 when we have to slow down the ships, so we derate the engines. So you'll yeah. see, so the difference, you were asking about ship owners having to get rid of ships. So all that happens on an older ship is it's slightly slower than the modern ships that are derated. But the reality is if you pay $10 million for a ship versus $35 million, yeah, your yield target is achieved much lower in the rate system than on a brand new yeah. ship, and yeah. we all love saving the environment, but we mustn't forget that we report to shareholders who have made financial investments in us. Yeah, and so it's a bit of a you know it's a it's a balancing act, but, balancing but our customers it, yeah. uh, want both, so they always prefer a cheap ship relative to an expensive one and if you've got a whole list of things you're doing to make yourself carbon neutral you're always going to go for them even if it's on a 10 year old ship you don't have to have brand new modern eco ships because it's a bit of a misnomer the eco thing that's very controversial for me to say actually
0: yeah absolutely anyway um a couple of last questions um this is about container ships, but I'm looking at a broader sure. point. I, I was astonished. I think I saw recently that not 10, nine of the top ten container ports around the world are in China, and I think the tenth one was Singapore, actually. Uh, but what that what that reinforces is the, the, the sheer dominance of the China trade, just for lots of things. Yeah, is that true for your segment as well? Are you? And thus, that poses the inevitable question. You know, what next to China? You've already suggested there's a. You've said that there's a, a massive stimulus package promised what what how's the how's the china Asia trade going at the moment how dominant is it for you or are you slightly different more diversified Mm, we're probably
1: more diversified but everybody everywhere in the world is ultimately pretty reliant on china's economy regardless of segment um so we do watch china um carefully because it is a significant part of our income um uh, they have the world's largest chicken population the world's largest pig population um among other things um and, and they also consume more rice than anyone else in the world. So yeah. and sugar and all the other things that go on off on, on our ships. That being said, you've got a leader in China who wants to stay in power and probably can't afford, in these slightly delicate times, to have population yeah. that are starving. No, he so,
0: certainly can't. So,
1: so what we're seeing is uh, a strong demand for food in China and not right. a dropping in quality of food in China. So we expect Chinese demand for handy-sized ships to continue, um, and given Xi Jinping has not achieved his five and a half percent growth, he needs yeah. to spend this trillion dollars to make sure he can achieve it, or outperform it, or get very close to it, so yeah. that the world does believe him when he makes promises, and I, and and, I, and that trillion dollars is going towards. Not only food security, but predominantly infrastructure projects.
0: One last question. I I suppose I have to ask you. um, This I think it was last week. Now uh, you announced uh, a a offer for uh, grid shipping, which is uh, a U.S. listed shipping company. Uh, Now I know you're limited in what you can say because because of the regulatory requirements. Um, What's the logic behind that? You own twenty six percent. We own just over. Um, So you're going to it's the offer. Okay, the offer is to take the rest. What's the logic there?
1: The logic is that um, by combining a homogeneous fleet of two, two, by combining two homogeneous fleets together, you achieve significant economies of scale that are reflected in the value of the investment for investors. You've got things like spare parts. You're buying seventy prop shafts or turbochargers rather than twenty-eight, um, and you have better um, negotiating power not only with parts suppliers but also with um, charterers and your customers. Uh, and you're able to achieve. Um, Hedging of downside by having more cargo contracts. With a smaller fleet like 28 ships, it's hard to have multi year cargo contracts. With 70 ships that will be managed within the Taylor Maritime Group of companies, uh, we will be in a position to negotiate multi year contracts that give us downside protection, better value in terms of parts buying, economies of scale in the overheads, but also critically, This is part of Taylor Maritime's fleet renewal program. The average age of Taylor Maritime's current fleet is uh, just under 12 years. The average age of Grinrod's fleet is just under six years. So we're able to create um, a younger fleet uh, uh, with economies of scale very quickly at what we think is an attractive price point. We think we're paying a good price for the shares, and it's been obviously made public. $26 is what we've offered. That being said, the first 20... 26% 26% we didn't pay that much for. So we've been able to average down what we're actually buying the fleet for. Um, and that is a hugely attractive um, uh, possibility for, for TMI's uh, investors, in my opinion.
0: But the last, the last question I suppose after is how are you going to fund it? Um, because it's uh, you've, you've obviously got some cash, but the inevitably the question is how are you going to finance the acquisition?
1: Well, we've already paid, obviously, for a quarter of the company. Uh, in yep. the uh, event where we end up having a squeeze out and get to 100% of the shares, it'll be a combination of debt and equity. Um, right. I can't say too much more, but um, yeah. we're very comfortable that we are in a position to um, to buy 100% of the business uh, without over-leveraging ourselves. And we are also going to be in a position to very quickly deleverage ourselves because we obviously have quite a lot of contracts locked in at Taylor Maritime already. Our average contract duration is eight months. That's quite a lot of cash flow. And we've built up a significant yeah. amount of cash buffer as well in our business. And with a new modern fleet from Grinrod, we're also in a position to divest some of our older ships as well. But I can't, okay. can't say more than that. But it is very no,
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank
1: Ed. you so much, David.